Chapter Nine of the Apostle of Alaska: The Story of William Duncan of Metlakatla by John W. Arctander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Mode of Living. Now must be told how these people lived at the time the gospel first came to them. The spring and summer was their work time. The long winter months were mostly devoted to fun and frolic, feasts and gambling, potlatches, dances, and medicine work, about which more anon, and two now and then a murder. They had for years been the traders of the coast, the furs of the interior, which before the white people came they used to cover their nakedness with, when they deemed it necessary to cover it at all they bartered from the inland indians to whom they in turn furnished food dried and smoked fish and the wonderful ulacan oil in large enough quantities to last them all winter if they had furs enough for nothing was given without the proper equivalent and perhaps a little more it is said that in trading their women always had the deciding word and that they could always be relied upon to make clever bargains and this in a day when there was no bargain counters around after the whites came to fort simpson the hudson's bay company blankets took the place of the furs for covering their bodies but only with this difference in the trading that they bartered furs so obtained from the indians to the hudson's bay company for blankets and other of the white man's goods which they could use they did not permit the interior indians to trade directly with the company at all insisting on their right to act as middlemen and great are the bargains they sometimes made if reports are true but that was necessary if they would hold their own with the company which cheated them woefully in paying for their furs there was no currency at the coast until the whites came when the company's two-point blankets became the common recognized medium of exchange and were generally considered to represent two dollars fifty cents in value prior to that time the marten or sable skin had generally been treated as the unit and it still after the company's advent retained its position as the common fractional currency it was taken at the company store for a quarter of a dollar in trade and when the prices of the company's goods are considered i think it may safely be said that the company got the best of them both going and coming a piece of soap of a finger's thickness brought four martins or fifty minks for a mink skin was then only worth two cents sea otter skins now seven hundred dollars and more at this time in the company store at fort simpson brought only from ten to twelve dollars in goods which at the ruling prices probably meant all the way from two dollars to four dollars in actual values the food which these indians subsisted upon they largely drew on the sea for true once in a while a deer a mountain goat or a wild fowl would furnish a few meals dried wild berries also at times might be found on the mat there was no table but the staple food year in and year out for old and young was fish salmon and halibut fresh smoked and dried fish roe salmon and herring clams and crabs cuttlefish a great delicacy seaweed and all of it seasoned and enriched by the wonderful ulacan oil when the first of march came the indians of the different tribes at fort simpson broke camp left the houses untenanted and unlocked and came with their families to occupy for a month or two their ancient fishing grounds on the banks of the nas river forty-five miles or so farther north 
where the waters of the great river tumble over the bar into portland canal they know that this is the time for the ulican to run up the river and it is important to be at hand at the great event the ulican or candlefish the lictis pacificus a wonderfully sweet fish to eat when freshly caught is in appearance a good deal like a smelt most of them about twelve to fourteen inches and is said to contain more oil than any other known fish in the frying pan it will melt away like a lump of butter and when dried and provided with a wick it will burn like a candle hence its name between the sixteenth and twentieth of march each year you can see them come by the million yes by the billion up portland canal and hustle over the bar of nass river their great stamping ground at the time we are now interested in their coming furnished a great sight on the banks of the river and in hundreds of canoes near and on the bar from five to eight thousand indians all crying and yelling you are all chiefs every one of you as they attempt to fill their canoes with the shining silvery fish the seagulls by the thousands swinging above the incoming shoals jabbering and chattering moving back and forth up and down all day long further down the spring salmon which are after the ulicans as well as the gulls and the indians jumping out of the water in their mad chase after them again a little further down are lurking the cunning hair seals watching their chance and still further away you see the spouting of large finback whales which follow the seals only to be followed in their turn by the orca the killer whale which rip open and disembowel one of these sea monsters in a twinkling of an eye with its fin which is sharp as a razor and this glorious sight and all this incessant battle keeps on for a month or more thousands and thousands of bushels of the little chief fishes are landed and put into wooden kettles which are filled with water made to boil by red-hot stones dropped into the receptacles the grease of the boiling fish floats on top the remainder of the fishes piping hot as they are are scooped up into pine tree root baskets and then the boiling hot mass is pressed against the bare breasts of the women till the grease and every drop of it has been squeezed out the oil must be pressed out in no other way it would shame the fish to treat it otherwise with the precious grease or oil so obtained the indians now return to their homes at fort simpson from where during the early summer months the halibut banks lure the fishermen to obtain a further supply from the ocean storehouse and they are seldom disappointed halibut from seventy-five to two hundred fifty pounds greedily snap up their rudely constructed but very effective hooks usually baited with a herring or an ulican when july comes it is off again this time to the old fishing villages on the skeena river where their ancestors for centuries have exercised the privilege of catching the red salmon as it is wriggling its way up to its breeding ground to deposit its spawn here in a few weeks not only all necessary for immediate use but a full supply for the remainder of the year as well as for trading purposes is secured and the whole family now turns its attention towards picking and drying the wild berries growing in abundance along the banks of the river as well as to curing the salmon caught by smoking and drying it for winter use the dry salmon is toasted before the fire like our bread and eaten with ulican oil on a pinch when travelling for instance it can be and is eaten raw 
i have done so myself and will say that when one is hungry raw dried salmon does not taste badly at all when the new catches in what remains of the old supply is destroyed and never eaten it is then considered out of season then comes in september the great mart of the natives on the beaches near the fort where lieutenant simpson in eighteen forty one says he saw over fourteen thousand indians gathered on the beach and after that is over come the winter festivities as great masters as they show themselves in the trading mart they are greater masters still on the sea in their wonderful canoes hollowed out of a single trunk of one of the red cedar giants growing along the coast with their paddles and sails and nothing else they make these canoes fairly fly over the frothing billows and carry them safely through the roughest gales when many larger crafts with practised mariners furnished with compass and solid steering gear have perished and never been heard from again the indians believe that their fish is just as sensitive as they are as to any offence to its dignity the salmon is a chief and must not be brought in contact with any metal it must only be boiled in their wooden kettles if not it is shamed and may refuse to come back to its usual haunts in eating it they of course use only the heaven-given forks and knives as that will not shame him duncan when first there often witnessed their refusing to sell salmon to the steamer unless the steward would permit them to boil it first in their own wooden kettles the following legend is characteristic of this superstition some boys had shamed a salmon they caught him cut a slit close to his fin and put gravel and stones in the wound so he could not use his fin and then let him out in the stream again the poor fellow wriggled and suffered and could not swim with sand and gravel down his back this made the god of the mountain angry with the people whose children had shamed the salmon and he spewed fire so that it ran down the mountainside and away down into a river where the fire sputtered all around but a god of another mountain near by thought it was too bad so he rolled a big rock and stopped the fire stream the people then came together to consult about what should be done to propitiate the irate mountain god and the salmon as well so he would not go back on them and they came to the conclusion that the naughty children had to be killed but when the mothers heard this they raised a rumpus and would not allow the sacrifice the people then compromised by agreeing instead to kill the dogs of the village which were thereupon all sacrificed and burned as a peace offering to the salmon end of chapter nine